You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, joining you live from the LBK. And on the other side of the glass, joining us not from the LBK would be Matt Clare. What's up, Will? Uh, not a whole lot, my man. Just uh, chilling like a villain, trying to get uh, get ready for the weekend. One that uh, we'll see weather-wise how things cooperate as far as uh, what we're going to talk about with tech sporting events. But uh, but yeah, man, just uh, got the taxes done, got the uh, Kobe's last game out of the way, and uh, ready to uh, ready to rock it this weekend, man. What uh, what all you got going on? Hey Will, I forgot to ask. Have you been grinding? Have you been grinding, man? Man, I have been grinding so hard, just out here grinding, trying to get these bills and stack the yeah. paper. Okay, I just wanted to double check. I thought so. Okay, well, yeah, man, got spring game coming up. I, I wish I was going to be able to join you guys, but it's going to be on TV, and I know you and the crew are going to be there doing. Radio, uh, recording the, the post-game uh, thoughts and, and doing all the, the in-between. So uh, let's let's dive right into that spring game. I know that yeah. uh, this is this is what a lot of people have been waiting for. Like you said, the, the weather's got to mind its manners, but uh, a lot of people headed that way. And so far, a, a pretty good visitors list. Let's uh, I guess let's just start. You, you got to spend some time in Midland, and I know you incorporated this into uh, a new weekly feature uh, that that you posted on Monday morning, but but what are some of the things that that you're interested in uh, looking at at the spring game on Saturday? Yeah, for me, I think, and first and foremost, like I always tell everybody, and has kind of become my motto with with really anything spring football related, I always kind of try to take everything with a grain of salt because I all you always have to remember that there's still, I mean, you know, there's still five months basically until. Uh, four or five months until the season gets actually started and you don't know what's going to happen between now and then with all these players and where things are going to go so uh as far as the units and how things gel and all that so so i really more so than uh more so than either side of the ball kind of kind of does i just kind of try to focus in on what a couple of individual players do and and just kind of where they're at and uh for me you know as as much of a cop-out as it is it kind of starts with 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 pat mahomes and where he's kind of at because uh, as has been kind of the big storyline this spring, you know, he's done with baseball and uh, he's just focused on football. And Cliff and, you know, the rest of the staff has just raved about how much he's grown as a quarterback. So uh, I'm really going to focus on him a lot, just just to be honest, to see if I notice any differences in his tendencies and how he kind of does things. Because I know Cliff said he's done a really good job of, of making better decisions. And that's really going to kind of, you know, go into the factor of, of him cutting his turnover numbers in half. So, so that's kind of the first first thing for me as much like i said as much of a cop-out as that is that's really kind of uh the biggest thing i'm going to take away uh, other than that 
there's a couple position groups I'll say I'm going to focus on, and that first off would be uh, the defensive line, specifically all the guys at defensive end. Because I, th- I think moving forward for this team, uh, to make the next step, I think the next big thing for Texas defense will be uh, to kind of get a pass rush and get some reliable play out of those guys at defensive end and at the rushing spots. And uh, those are your guys like Gary Moore and Colin Hill, uh, Zach Barnes, uh, Jacarthy Mack, uh, Lonzel Gilmore, and then a couple of these other guys you're going to add uh, in the summer, you know, guys like, like Houston Miller and a couple other guys. So uh, really going to really focus on them. And then offensively, I really want to focus in at running back and just kind of get a feel for where all those guys are because they're pretty, I think, honestly, pretty kind of even right now, except I think Justin Stockton is out to a little bit of a lead on everybody, but super talented group of, of running backs and love what they do. But then I think we look at receiver, and I'm going to keep watching Cam Batson because he's you know been raved about so much. And then I want to look at you know Derek Willies more, Dylan Cantrell, and – uh, just kind of this whole group of receivers and see where they're at. So uh, so excited about that, and that's kind of what I'm looking at, I think, going into the weekend. All right. Well, I mean, I know that uh, there's a lot to see on the on the defensive side of the ball, and, and that's where a lot of our attention has been focused, I guess, the past few weeks, both going into Midland and uh, going into this right. weekend. Um, so, so hopefully Pipkins can get back out there. I know Hinton was missing as well, and, and we kind of covered some of these things in our roundtable. So, you know, won't, won't spend a too much more time on that. Um, other than just, you know, like, like we said, just another chance to, I think, you know, the tweet was, was noticed earlier in the week. They're, they've, they've got, bulldozers out there working on the bubble i mean there's there's some semblance of progress out there when it comes to the the future of what the the program's trying to do uh from an improvement standpoint so some of these kids can can get out there and see that especially these 2017 and 2018 kids that you know they they wouldn't really sign uh up until you know another year two years and so they can really kind of see where the program's headed and and what they're doing here on campus it it looks like we've got about I mean, again, there, there are probably more names to be had here, but very offensive heavy, uh, but a pretty good mix of 2017 and 2018 kids, especially in terms of the, the caliber of kids, the 2018 right. kids are, I mean, I, I'd say some of the, the best on the list. But, of course, you, you have the two commits, uh, and then you have a bunch of receivers and then a bunch of guys on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I guess any anyone that jumps off the, the page for you there from a recruiting standpoint? Uh, I think I think first and foremost the two guys uh, and the two 2017 guys that are coming that have offers and aren't committed are you know Arlington Oak Ridge receiver Bronson Boyd who I, I think you and I kind of have a good feel for where he's at with things I think he really likes tech and, and what's going on with tech and then the other kid would be uh, Dennis Bardwell who's the Huffman Hargrave offensive lineman that just got an offer last week he's going to visit too so those are the two kids I think first and foremost that I kind of wonder about because. I think both those kids really are excited about their offers, and you wonder where things will be with them uh, heading into the weekend and then going out of the weekend, too. So I'll kind of keep a close eye on both of them. Uh, other than those two, though, I would say that it, my attention really starts to go towards 2018. And I know, you know, kind of, you know, before you and I, you know, got on the podcast and we we're just kind of talking about it, you got a couple of kids that, uh, that really, really stick out to you as, as far as, you know, kids that I think are going to be big time next year, and that would be uh, Jarrell Cherry, who's a defensive end at Dallas Carter, and then uh, the Moore Twins at Yoakum, uh, and then you got, uh, you know, Rivals 100, uh, 2018 running back, Kirby Bennett from from Allen. So 
you got a really good, like a really, really good group of 2018 kids here there. And then with 2017, like I said, you got the two, your, your two committed offensive linemen, the two guys with offers that are visiting. And then you kind of have a big group of guys that, uh, a big group of guys that I think Texas trying to get a feel for. And I think among them, maybe more than a lot would be, you know, Riverside, you know, junior college running back Tyree Range, who's kind of an interesting story that is kind of a, a Coach Foster kind of deal. So, so that's kind of what sticks out to me. What kind of sticks out to you? I, I would just say, like you, you started with, I think that uh, you look at the receivers that are coming to town. I think Drew's uh, – well, I guess I'll start at the top here just looking at the list uh, on the on the site that we have updated and, and that we'll continue to update. Uh, Drew has reported on uh, Kimball athlete Devodrick Johnson before. Right. Coaches see him at safety, so there's your, uh, there's your defensive product. Uh, another big kid and another kid that – you know, again, we keep hearing how the coaches want to see these kids in the spring. You know, we get it. It's not a popular deal, but this is a kid 6'3", 215. He's doing a little bit of everything for Kimball right now. He's only got the offer from SMU, but it looks like a lot of Peyton Hendricksy kind of in, in his size and what he kind of does for them. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, you look at his interests, and, you know, Texas Tech is not alone. So, I mean, it would be interesting to kind of get his feedback and see what happens there. But like I was saying earlier, the receivers, Bronson Boyd, I would say, you know, that's my kid to, to watch for, you know, commit alert. And, you know, that's that's someone who's is slowly starting to add some more offers himself. Um, you know, talk about a – uh, a kid, his mother, his mother went to Texas Tech, and he plays at a smaller school, but he's six three, I think one eighty six, and you know another kid that could come and add some size, and I know he's a track kid too, so also some speed. So I just think this time of year, uh, you get kids like that, and and you really get a solid commitment, and you see where it goes from there. But yeah. Kevin Ladee is another big receiver. Shaman Greenwood's another big receiver. He just got an offer from Mississippi State tonight. So a lot of these early evaluations, you see how that's turned out with Texas Tech and other prospects. Uh, Devodrick Bynum, he's a kid that's you know pretty athletic. We've seen him in the past two years at at Rivals Camp. You know, kind of an inside uh, receiver athlete type. Um, but he'll be coming down with a big group. And then you know you touched on Bardwell earlier. I mean, you know I wrapped it up in that uh, in that Kirkland story and I posted about it in the thread. But I mean, at this tackle position, Coach Hayes is going to take the the first guy that that's going to commit, and um, you know whether that's the the perfect strategy or not. I mean, I think he's offered the guys that he feels comfortable with, and if Bardwell, you know that that you look at his offer list, and Texas Tech is by far you know the 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 best option at yeah, this yeah, moment. Yeah. So if the offer goes, uh, or excuse me, if the visit goes great, you got to put him on commit watch as well. Some of these other kids, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see because when we talk about Coach Foster and, and we, you mentioned the junior college running back, I'm looking at DeSoto running back Jamon uh, Williams, his coaches. I, I texted them and I asked, you know, what's the story with Jamon? I mean, they just said he's kind of overlooked, at, uh, all-purpose back type, uh, very quick interest from SMU, uh, TCU, as as well as Texas State and some of the other schools around Texas. So um, be interested to see what the level of interest is there because you turn on his tape and, and you look at the program at, at DeSoto. I mean, he's not playing any weak competition, and, and I was impressed by oh, what I was yeah. able to see. And and for all we know, his role could be expanded uh, going into his senior year as well. Um, so, anywho, um, other than that, I mean, 
you, you start to, to get into some of these other kids that are going to be more in the 2018 class. I guess, you know, just rounding it out on the kids that, that play defense, uh, there's also a, a safety uh, that's coming in, Javon McKinnis from uh, Irving Ranch View High School. So, uh, again, I don't know anything about him, so I, I won't uh, I won't go forward from there. But uh, we talked about the 2018 guys. Drill Cherry is a kid that I met at a camp uh, this past summer. I mean, he's already pretty huge, and he looked like a 2017 kid, in my opinion. Uh, when he told me he was 2018, I, I was very surprised, but um, just very athletic. He's going to continue growing, and you know, he's your prototypical uh, defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, always good to get kids like that on campus. And then you mentioned the Moore brothers from Yokum. I know that they're very high on the Texas Tech board, and they're both starting to add up offers. I want to say that they're each around, you know, seven to ten offers a piece as we speak. Um, and then you know. Allen, uh, running back Kirby Bennett, he's a Rivals 100 kid on the new, you know, 2018 Rivals, right? That's a whole other discussion in itself. Yep, yep. But uh, another, you know, big program, uh, highly rated kid, and, and, you know, you're getting them on campus. And I guess, you know, 2018's freaking two years away, right? I mean, this could you be You say the, that, man. You say that, but Anderson was that way two years ago, and I was like, man, this kid will never be a senior, and here we are. No, and that's and that's true, and we got to talk to these kids and learn more about their stories, right? I mean, you, you, you uncover certain things here and there, and, and that's fine. It's just that it's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, there's also oh, it is, the... There's also the Jeff Okudas and the uh, and and the other kids that visit, and you really don't hear from them again. So it it, it depends, I guess. It's kind of a yeah. give or take. It does. But it anyway, it is yeah. But but I I guarantee there's going to be other name uh, other names added to this list. So we'll do some more digging. And uh, regardless, the 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 thing to keep in mind is the coaches are going to hit the road uh, after uh, this weekend, and they're going to be able to go and recruit Sunday, in person. Is Sunday or Monday the first day of the open? I would guess it's Monday. Is probably the first day. Of the first yeah, day. I I think it's like a Sunday at midnight type thing. I'm not sure why or what, but I think that's how it works. Right. Um, but kind of speaking speaking of that and maybe where the coaches will go or what they'll be doing. There was also a, a good amount of visitors in Last, town yeah. this past weekend. So, you know, let's just kind of wrap that up before we move into some of our, you know, off-topic uh, conversations. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, and I'll kind of let you get into it too a little bit too, is uh, you had a, a whole bunch of kids, you know, visit last weekend, and uh, one of them gets an offer, you know, the offensive lineman Jackson gets an offer, and then, you have a couple other kids like uh, like Brock Martin and then uh, Lynch. What, what's his first name? Blake Lynch, uh, correct? Correct. Well, okay. it's, uh, sorry, James Lynch. James Lynch. Sorry, I'm, excuse me. Uh, you have all those kids. are kind of the three big kids that visited last weekend, and uh, and I think you know with Jackson getting the off getting the offer, and and something that's always been interesting to me, uh, kind of about how you know Lee Hayes recruits you know these offensive linemen. He's not afraid to go out of state to get some of these kids. No, I mean, and, and I think that I don't. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying he put a timeline on it, but he really did insinuate that, hey, I mean, I'm not holding a spot, right? Right. And uh, but I don't know. It was it was it was it was different. I'll say that. But Jackson had a lot of good things to say about Lubbock, and I think that you you notice that from the the few interviews you mentioned Lynch as well. That's a kid that, that his sister goes to Tech. His parents were on the visit, so. Um, he's also getting strong looks from TCU and, and Baylor as well. So it blows up is what I was going to say about him too. Yeah. And the day after Jackson got home from his tech visit, Cal offered as well. So, uh, six, seven, three Oh five, they just don't, you know, 
they don't they don't have those laying around. So um, you know we'll 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 continue to keep in touch with Jackson. But like I said, I, I think he'll continue to add offers, and he's a kid that had mentioned he wanted to wait it out. We'll see. I mean, I haven't really been surprised by anything else lately. Uh, but again, we're still talking about the offense. Uh, I, what I'm interested in is the kid I wrote about today, James Lynch, that defensive end from Round Rock. I know I've mentioned him uh, a little bit there talking about Jackson, but I mean, I, I don't see what's not to like about him at 6'5", 270, um, all district defensive line MVP, the opening MVP at defensive line in Dallas last month. This kid doesn't have any offers. No, and it blows you away whenever you see that. And you wonder if it's kind of the same situation where all these guys just want to get to see him in person before they uh, before they extend an offer. Um, but, but you, but, 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 all right, I, no, let me just throw this out there. You. I think he should have offers. I do from what I've seen sure. of him and what I know about him. But but the big topic on the on the board has been you know how how uh, you know a lot of people don't agree with that. And I'll say this, you know, I, I don't. I, I am not trying to ride the fence. I'm not trying to disagree with anyone. I, I just think there's two sides to each story, but there is a lot of me that does say, okay, well, wait a minute. If, if we can, if we can offer kids and then tell them, hey, we no longer want you to be a part of our class, if that's okay, if that's part of your then toolbox, why you offer, yeah. then why can't you just offer the kid? And, you know, hold on to a 6'5", 270 guy. And, you know, if, if you really think Johnny Four Star is going to look your way, then, you know, play that game if you want to. I mean, I know that, that you know, the bigger schools are doing that. I'm not sure if it's it should be in the, the toolbox or the playbook for Texas Tech. But that's why I don't understand. Like, I mean, I, I'm, it's far from me to doubt these guys, right? They got the job done last year. But this is a new coaching staff, and a lot of these coaches are reaching out to either prospects or – kids that they had already been recruiting at a UNT or, you know, this school or that school. And so we really haven't seen new prospects pop up. I think you know, obviously Foster is going to do his thing. And, and you've seen that with uh, Jackson and you've seen that uh, with uh, Tyree range, who's going to be coming in this weekend, who we'll have to learn more about and, and maybe talk a little bit more about, but you know, on the whole, you know, just looking at that amount of defensive offers and just kind of knowing that, you know, hey, you look at that next two weeks when they're on the road, it's either these offers are going to be going out and they've decided, you know, who their targets are, or we're going to continue to see just slow moving. I mean, it kind of makes you start to, to wonder how small of a class that, 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 that they'll actually be taking, right? It does, and I think that's what you kind of wonder because that's why you didn't see all the offers initially, I think, was because – you know, there was all, all the talk about only taking, you know, 17, 18, 19 kids. And uh, I think based off what you and I both have heard, I think that's still the case. Um, and that's that's going to be the thing, though, is, that, you know, if, if we're to, you know, the second week of May and there haven't been, you know, just a flurry of defensive offers go out, I think that's whenever you can start saying, okay, okay, what's kind of going on here? Uh, but until then, I think – you just kind of, you know, you, you kind of trust that's what's going to happen, right? I mean, I think you have to just looking right, at the numbers, on, yeah. I mean, especially looking at the numbers. I think it's like 51 to 20. What did, what did yeah, you no, it's, write? It's like, it's like 18. It's like, it's not even 20. It's like 18 or 19 defensive offers. And, yeah. and this a lot of, class is not going to be that small, I'll tell no, you that. No, 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 it's not. And you look at that many offers and – those were offers that went out to those kids. I mean, did, did they offer a kid after December? I mean, as far as a 2017, you know, defensive kid. 
Um, defense. I can remember. Well, I mean, the the good news is I you know I put that board up last week, and and hopefully some of those kids decide to make the trip out there. But you know, there's also the there's also like I said earlier, there's also two sides of the story. I mean, you also saw the recruiting class really start to heat up uh, in the the month of May and June of last year. So maybe they knock out this uh, visit weekend and, and really start getting out there to visit some of these prospects. So you know, we'll see what happens. You know, you also um, I guess maybe that's a perfect segue into what we want to talk about next. Will uh, you also are not going to have the inherent advantage of hosting three satellite camps and an additional right. camp in Lubbock this year? That is now uh, that is now not allowed. So uh, that that was our big. Usually we usually we format uh, this thing. We talk about tech. We talk about recruiting, and then we jump to some off-topic stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, Tonight we just wanted to talk about satellite camps because that can chew up a lot of time with, especially with what we do. And um, you know, I know you wanted to start out with you know how exactly it affects Texas Tech. Tech so let's sure, just yeah. yeah, let's just roll right into that because I think that does you know it does make these visits all that much more important. It does make those visits and the the relationships and the communication all that much more important since you know you're not going to have another face to face interaction with them for a, a set period of time. Right, and, and my, my very first thing that, that I said about it was that is, and you, and you have six of these camps because you do two in Dallas, two in Houston, one in East Texas, and then one in Central Texas. So that I think a lot of people don't understand the just period, just what amount of exposure that is in person for uh, the tech staff to get themselves in front of a lot of these kids that can't afford to make a trip out of Lubbock, you know, for for an unofficial in the spring or in the summer where they can say look, here's what our program is right now. Here are our assistants coaching you or coaching guys where you get a chance to look at them and see what they're doing. And you kind of take that away from a lot of these kids because, let's just be honest, I would say more than half of these kids, at least on their own, can't afford a trip that's you know a five-plus-hour trip out to Lubbock because if you're in Dallas, that's going to be a five-hour trip. If you're in East Texas, that's a six-, seven-plus-hour trip. And from Houston, that's an eight-, nine-, ten-hour trip. So... You're just it just limits tech so much more than it does a lot of other schools, and that's my excuse me that's my biggest issue with just with the whole thing in general. It's just that it hurts tech so much more than it does a school like A and M or Baylor or uh, you know Houston, Texas, TCU, because those guys can all have camps on their campus and say, hey man, you know take the 15 minute drive and come see us you know this afternoon. Take the 30 minute drive. Come camp with us and go home this afternoon. And you just can't do that anymore if you're Texas Tech. And you just don't get that opportunity anymore, so you just take it away. And that's my biggest issue with it is Tech just cannot have near as much face-to-face interaction with a lot of these big you know, prospects. And not even necessarily the kids that camp with them because, you know, while the camps do give Tech a really good opportunity to kind of, you know, kind of sift through the cracks, you know, one more time, kind of sift through the sand and find some gold – which they've done in the past, you know, a whole lot. Uh, and it gives them that chance to, you know, make sure they haven't missed any kids. Um, but more so than that even, you know, as, as you and I know, there are so many prospects that, you know, Tech's already in on that are kind of big time that just kind of come and hang out at these camps and talk with the coaching staff and just kind of get a look at things. And now unless those kids come out to Lubbock, you just don't get that chance, you know? No, I mean, I, I think you hit on – 
pretty much every point Texas Tech related. I guess all I will say is that you and I, especially you, over the past three to four years have, have been in the car traveling. And I think that it's, I mean, it, unless people have been to one of these things, I mean, we're talking at least 100 to 150 kids at each event, yeah, so okay. much so that they had to start having two in Houston and two in Dallas, you know, over over the years, right, when it was just a couple. But you're talking about two camps that encompass two large areas. Then you swing over to San Antonio, and then you, you end it by having some kids back in Lubbock uh, in, in the West Texas area. So, you know, I think clearly, yes, it's going to affect things, but really at these camps, you know, you got to consider two things, right? Like you said, sifting through, you know, finding the kids that, that maybe are flying under the radar a bit and, and where you can really get in and, and build a relationship early, right? Or offer yeah. early, but also the, the higher rated kids or the area kids that, that could just come and hang out with the coaches and get, you know, loved up. You know, by those guys. I mean, you're talking, you walk up to registration and the guys that know they don't have to register because they're not doing anything. Well, they're over there hanging out with the coaches. I mean, that's the inherent advantage. That's why everyone wants to have a satellite camp. It's just more face to face time. And so, you know, you lose all of that. Um, you, I can go through the list and I, I did, I think I did the numbers. I think it was around. I think it was around 26 when you count all the 26, uh, 16 signees, 26 kids that will be on the Texas Tech roster come fall or come summer, you know, had have either visited a satellite camp or competed in a satellite camp. So, I mean, that that just kind of shows you how important it's been to this program. So, you know, that could seem scary or it could, like I said before, it's going to start making you know, all the letters that you send, all the all the calls that you have, all the messages, all the all the the officials, all that much more important for Texas Tech because, yeah. you know, outside of what they do on these visit weekends, that's it now. No, it is. And, and as far as kids that just come and hang out at these camps, let me give you a couple examples. Uh, Madison Akimnanu, Connor Dyer, Joe Wallace, uh, Clarence Henderson, uh trying to think there's a, there's a couple more uh christian taylor peyton Hendricks. those are uh daily on ward those are all kids that got to come with it when they were uncommitted got to come hang out at your at your satellite camps and got to kind of get a better look at things and that was the first time for me uh when i saw joe wallace just hanging out at that satellite camp last summer at lancaster that i that i had ever because at that point you know we didn't know that tech had even really been talking to him other than just a little bit, and I'm telling you, they were loving up on Joe Wallace, and I think that had a that was a big deal for them landing him because you saw guys like Emmett Jones, and at that point, you know Kevin Curtis, uh, and, and all these other you know Cliff and all these other guys on staff loved him up, and you could tell that he was having a really good time, and you end up with him, you know, as one of your big defensive linemen in the class, so uh, both literally and metaphorically. So, um, well, even and even as you kind of like draw that picture and, and talk about some of those coaches. Think about it this way. Now you've got your new coaches and the the Fosters of the world and the Patricks of the world and, and all yeah, Carl Scott, all, all these guys who we've not really heard anything about uh, in recruiting stories because there aren't a really a lot of offers or new targets. Um, you know, we're not going to get to see them in action. We're not going to get to see you know, any tangible results other than the first recruit that mentions them. So, you know, we really have nothing to tell you right now. I mean, 
hopefully they're they're out there doing a doing a great job and and kind of building those relationships. It sounds like you know I've heard Patrick a little bit. I haven't heard a lot of Coach Scott just yet, uh, but I know these guys are out there and they're recruiting. So we'll have to see if uh, if some of it pans out. I'd really be interested to to follow back up with some of these Oklahoma kids and see if they're going to make the trip to Tech or if they've got something planned. I mean, you know, it's going to make the summer important too. Um, I mean, I don't know. You know, what is tech? You know, I guess the question is, I'll leave you with this and I won't say anything else on the tech related side. But what if you were in charge, Will, you are sitting there with Coach Kingsbury in his office and he says, Will, they're not going to let us do the camps anymore. Uh, You know, what do we do? How do we uh, you know, how do we account for this now? And I've I've sat here for the last couple of days trying to think of a loophole because I'm pretty sure it isn't it now elite. The coaches can't even go and do the the pseudo thing, where the loophole where they go coach at these other like uh, like practices or camps, right? No, yeah, they yeah. can't do that. If you can't do that anymore, and you can't host a camp off campus, there's no way to account for that exposure out of town, and the only way that I think you can try to counteract that with tech is you really, really, really have to try and sell the picture to kids of Lubbock being this community that just so much loves tech football and is isolated. And you, you have to, you have to just keep selling that idea further and further and further uh, with kids and just try to convince them to go out. I mean, isn't, isn't that really the only way to approach it at this point to get them to come out and visit? Yeah, no, I I would agree. And I would say that, um, you know, maybe and I'm just some spitballing here, but uh, maybe the coaches knew that they're taking a smaller class. Maybe the coaches expected this ruling and maybe as a byproduct, they they pump the they pump the brakes on some of the offers, because when you offer 50 kids and you're trying to land two, uh, you know, if you only offer a few and you really recruit them hard. You know, then you kind of hedge your bets a, a little bit, but but just spraying a bunch of offers out there just hasn't really worked for Coach Kingsbury in the past. You know, I know that they've done it at the receiver position, but there's good reason for that. A lot of the receivers are off That's the board right now, too. so you have to yeah. And in the offense you have, you have to keep going. Uh, you have new running backs coach, so you have to look at that. You know, you, you have different positions where um, you know things are changing, and so your board's going to change. But like we said, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I guess what my suggestion would be, and the only thing that I have thought of so far, is that if you're going to continue to play Baylor in Dallas, you know, not only do you have to get over the hump and and beat these guys, but you need to make that. I mean, that should be like your recruiting mecca if that's really what you're going to do. I mean, you need to look at every other possible because college game. You could say that you're going to have open practices and and go up there a couple days early, like on Wednesday or Thursday. No, you can still do that. You can still do Which that. that would I think be a that good is idea. still legal. I think that is still legal. Now, I don't know about a regular season game that might be against Big Twelve rules, but we'd have to look into that. I think that's a, I think that's a Dickens or a. Uh, uh, someone else question that that we need right. to get answered, but but yeah, bowl practices that's way different. Um, 
any any type of uh, regular season game might might be uh, against the rules. But I guess what I'm saying by that is that you need to look at every other game on the college football schedule that weekend. You need to you need to just plan ahead and you need to start inviting as many kids as you can right now. I think there's a limit on the t- amount of tickets that you can give away. There is, yeah. But in terms of underclassmen, I mean, I would just let them know, hey, you know, we're going to be in Dallas, you know, doing this, this, and this, and whatever. And I also think it matters if you're the home team or the away team on who they let have recruits come to the game as far as tickets. And Baylor was the home team last year, so it might work out in Tech's favor in that perspective. This year. There you go. Um, but, yeah, you, and we'll just kind of leave it at that on the Tech thing. It's just you just got to kind of figure – if you're tech, you just have to become more creative than you've been in the past. So, so we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, as far as uh, the national picture and what this means overall, I think first and foremost, and where this all stems from, is the SEC uh, moaning and complaining and crying about you know Jim Harbaugh, you know encroaching on their territory and doing all this kind of stuff. And and if you ask me, that's that's what got this to happen is all those coaches and all those ads and the SEC freaking out about it. So, because to be honest, those guys really don't have satellite camps, just kind of how, because they all are in such small states, it really isn't as effective for them. So, it's just kind of a different dynamic. But, but I think that's kind of the big thing. But at the same time, as as much as we talk about the schools, more than anything, I think it hurts prospects so much on a national basis because, you know, this week, whenever I guess you know, late last week, whenever this ruling came out, how many times did we see? A kid tweet out, hey, I wouldn't have gone to school at Penn State or Boise State or whatever school if it wasn't for getting a satellite camp invite and them getting a look at me. And, and I think that's the thing that makes me the most mad is that the NCAA, by trying to make a rule they think betters, you know, the institution has hurt prospects more than anything. Absolutely. And I think that, um, and and I know after this it won't be tech related, but um, every satellite camp, not just Texas Tech, so the OUs, the uh, even the Michigans, whatever, they all partner with another school. And so there were two coaches from Nevada for the past what three yeah. or four years? Yeah, past three years at the Tech camp. I forgot about that. Yep, two. Nevada yeah, coaches. so. Same thing we talked about earlier, where they would take kids to the side. Neither of you, you and me, didn't know who Alonzel Gilmore was, right? We didn't know who some of these other kids were, and those are the kids that were getting offered by Nevada that day. And they went out there and they did their thing, and eventually it worked out for them, you know, with Texas Tech and in, in, in a case like uh, Alonzel Gilmore. But a lot of kids uh, got offers. It doesn't matter if they end up at Nevada, but now they have a scholarship opportunity. I remember Gilmore before he even got the tech offer, you know, took an official visit to Nevada. Right, and so, right. I mean, once you have an offer, it's easier for mom and dad to swallow that the cost of that plane ticket or the the drive up there or whatever, right? But for some of those schools that are even farther away, that are more of a regional or even out of state program uh, compared to tech, I mean, they. Think about how much it's going to affect them. I mean, if you just look at the Rivals recruiting database, you can see that there are 693 kids listed with a profile. That's just for the 2017 class. Right. Now, you know, consider the amount of kids that will end up at JUCO, you know, D3, whatever else, right? You still have... You still have at least 450 to 500 kids that will sign a scholarship. And so it's just so important that 
those kids just aren't going to be seen. I mean, they're not going to be seen. And and what I think it's sad is that we all have this um, they're they're like these rules, right? I mean, when you and I come to work for a Red Raider Sports or a Rivals, we sign an ethics agreement. You know, right. we do this just for the reporting. We do this because we think it's fun. It's interesting. I mean, this is this is what we like to do, right? Well, you know, now you've got trainers and you've got uh, recruiting managers and you got this, that, and the other. Well, when you and I go to a Rivals camp or when you and I go to East Texas and cover a camp, it's now – camp, yeah. Sure. Now, whatever Vine or uh, whatever video we take or whatever post camp, you know, top 10 that we put out there, that's the exposure from the camp that the kid will have. You know, that's the exposure. And and, and there's all this. Oh, well, college coaches don't follow camps or college coaches aren't on rivals. I mean, B.S., you know what yes, I mean? Yes, they are. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you, you think it's a coincidence that a lot of these 2018 offers are going out and 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 right now because I mean today it, and yesterday, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I no. mean, it's 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 kind of like where the NCAA is like, well, everything's on. Uh, so we talk about the evolution of recruiting and, and the recoverage of recruiting. Now the NCAA is sitting there like, well, everything's on Twitter, and you know we can't do anything about that. Uh, so, you know, we might as well just give into this and, you know, do this, this and this. And anyway, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me and you're not solving any issues. You're only hurting these kids and especially a kid that, you know, maybe his only school that's showing interest is like, you know, the, a Nevada, right? I'll go back to that. Yeah. Well, or, uh, or a, um, I don't know. Right. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, no, but, but yeah, there, there were. There were multiple kids that signed with Nevada, for, from and those Nevada coaches went to every single tech camp and just kind of you know peek behind the curtain for for you guys that you know coaches they just kind of make an agreement with some guys that you know they aren't going to play or, or some coaches you know that they're buddies with from or you know they have connections with 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 another staff of, like I said of guys that are out of conference that they probably aren't going to play and they're like yeah you guys can come you know to the camp as long as you guys kind of help us do some stuff and, and that kind of thing so. You know, like I said, and like you said, there there were there were a handful of kids that got Nevada offers, uh, you know, and several that signed with Nevada because they got that exposure. So uh, it, it was just such a mutually beneficial thing for, for for everybody, and that's that's just my biggest my biggest issue with it now. Well, everything is everything is going online. There's even a, and then they're probably not the only one, but there's a. It's called the Next Level Athlete Camp, yeah. right? And these guys, the way they make their money is is if if they allow you to cover their camp, you can't do video. You can only take pictures. Um, you you really can't do much in in terms of the actual coverage. Um, and and they take the video of position groups on certain drills and whatnot, and then schools can subscribe to their website and can subscribe to their database. It's a and so service. yeah, so now schools are going to have to dip into their pocket and pay, you know, not that they don't or not that they don't, you know, pr- you know, buy databases now or however they do. Yeah. You know, but that's I mean, you're talking more expenses for the program now. So, I don't know, not that expenses weren't there when you're traveling across, but I just think that that one-on-one interaction and the coaching I mean, that's priceless. And I, we haven't even talked. I mean, we talked about the, you know, how this does in general. But for me, 
it's easy to talk about the kid that would have gotten an offer from a smaller school. I think that's an obvious example. But for me, what about the 27, what about the well, 2017, right? What about 2018, 2019 kids that are, you know, still a young pop or, you know, kids that, of, yeah. yeah, or a kid that you didn't even know had tech ties, but, you know, his sister's at tech or something like that. You know, we talked about that earlier. I mean, you just find out all these little things and you start to meet people, you meet yeah. parents, you form relationships when you're there in person and you're just not going to have that anymore. You don't you don't have any of that kind of stuff anymore. And just for an example of a kid that blew up after he was at a tech camp, um, and he didn't sign with tech, but uh, Gene Delance, offensive lineman, when he was you know going into his junior year, so he was a 2016 kid. Uh, so back in the summer of 2014, he camped with tech at one of those camps, and Lee Hayes offered him you know a, a couple days later, and tech was one of his very first offers, and then he blew up. Well, Tech was one of the first schools that got to see him, and they got to see him in person. So it's just it's just that kind of thing. And then you think about kids like, and I'll give you two examples from the New Braunfels camp last summer. Uh, Demarcus Fields, who, did he already have an offer or not, Matt? I can't remember before that camp. I don't um, think he did. I think that I think he was another one of those kids where uh, you know come camp with us and you know we'll take a look at you type of right, deal right, if, I, right. if memory serves correct. Right, right, and uh, so they wanted to get a look at him at the camp. They liked his film. I know they they really liked him, but he came to the camp. He ran like a four three, like a hand timed like four three six, four three five, and then you know he dominated that day. He's you know his measurables all matched up to what they thought. They offered him and he committed, and you got him, and basically nobody else got him because nobody else saw him and you know this tech staff says specifically because they got to see him in person uh and they thought they really stole him because nobody else saw him play because he plays in taylor which is a smaller school so they got they got a chance to see him and that's one of those kids they jumped out on uh another example i i would say you know is is desmond smith from 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 permian who you know camped with tech out in the summer and they got a look at him and uh, yeah got got to see him play again in the fall and you know, well, it's been going on so long. It's been going on so long that kids have now just graduated. Michael Alway graduated. And Jared Caster, both of them. Were, they were graduated. They're gone. So, yeah, I mean, you're not going to have that anymore. So, boo, NCAA. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, though, is is what might heat up here in Texas, especially because you guys know I'm, I'm, I'm covering the whole state and, and I try to do as much as I can there. Traitor. But I've been uh, I've been I've been spending a lot of time with the t- uh, Texas team elite down here and they're right, the, right. the state seven on seven team that they do the pylon league which is becoming you know bigger and bigger every year this weekend uh, is the bootlegger seven on seven tournament in Louisiana and so I know our guys from rivals will be there giving us some updates uh, as they pertain to tech and, and really any other schools here in the state recruiting wise but you know i talked to I, I was interested in what this band meant for this stuff moving forward and i talked to uh one of the the head guys over there uh, over the weekend and they are now up to four teams in the city or i'm sorry 11 teams in the city of houston four teams in dallas wow. and they have they have other teams outside of those uh and and they're they're really trying to grow the the actual not not the brand obviously but but the amount of kids and the amount of teams that they have in Texas because these kids want to play seven on seven year round and so it's it's really interesting to see I think that type of a, a draw 
I mean, they have, I'm sorry, I misspoke earlier. I'm looking at it now. Ten teams uh, in Houston, four in Dallas, one in Port Arthur, and one in Waco. And they're looking to add more. They're going to have the players for these camps, and then they're going to be able to attract other players from the area. So in my mind of minds, I'm like, hey, I got a video camera. Right. <laughs> video the whole thing i will i will get you know nick kruger out there and i'm sure we would all like to participate so you know i I know it's far from away from from rivals being able to slap their name back onto something else uh or or heck even maybe lone star uh preps throws some cash down i'm telling you that's gotta be i think it's gonna be worth it that's what i'm saying is i think they're you know somewhere in here there's somebody's gonna make some money because these camps are no longer available because not just kids, parents, you know, right. they want their kids name they to get, get out there because they don't want to pay for college. Right. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, everybody would like to get that free tuition. So, you know, I get messages from parents all the time. So I think that's another angle to this thing. And that's how it will affect things in general uh, across the nation. And that could be a good thing and that could be a bad thing. But in Texas, I definitely think that you're going to see some changes, especially talking this time next year, if this rule is still enforced. Yeah, and the direction that this all feels like it's going in for me, and and it'll depend on what the NCAA decides as far as college coaches, uh, because the suggestion I've seen is is if you're not going to let coaches have satellite camps, then you need to let them start going to all these other stuff like you know Rivals Camp and the opening and uh, Next Level and all this other stuff. You need to let coaches go. And observe, you know, whether it has to be from the stands or where or whatever the rules you put in place. But uh, and and like you said, you know, with, with these teams and all this kind of stuff, it's almost like you're kind of getting into AAU territory with football. You know, it's kind of like it seems like it's going in that direction. Do you kind of have a? I mean, do you kind of agree or do you disagree? Say say it one more time. Uh, do you kind of think it's? it's kind of like an AAU thing is what it's going to kind of evolve into here in the next two or three years. It's hard for me to say that because I know you get what I'm saying though. No, I do get what you're saying, but I think we're already at that point. I mean, I'm, I'm okay saying that because there are, um, I I don't want to say it's the same or it's a direct comparison, uh, but there are a lot of high school coaches that do a really great job of getting their kids out there and do a really great job of, you know, answering all the yeah, college yeah. coaches. And, and you see that at bigger programs and some programs just simply the coaching staffs aren't into the recruiting thing. And it's not that they don't care. It's just that, you know, that's not something they care to handle as much or to, to help the student as much. It's the reality of it. And so I think that's where you start seeing some of these, I don't know what else to call them. They call themselves trainers, coaches, promoters. I think they do. I think there are a lot of them that do a lot of good work, but I think a lot of it, especially when you combine it with social media, can be a little bit of overkill. And, yeah, you know, if, if the kids really do, if the, you know, if the kids' parents have the resources, why not? But the kids' parents obviously have resources to visit colleges as well. So, you know, I guess there's a, do- a dozen different ways to look at it. But, you know, yes, I do think it would go that way because, you know, if you still, if you let college coaches attend, I don't know really how that, how much that would change the dynamic. That's how it works in AAU, is college coaches can go watch. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
I don't think college coaches would really care at all about seven on sevens uh, per se, but I mean, college coaches are allowed to go watch spring practices. They're allowed to go watch spring games. That's what we're here talking about over the past month is wait till the open contact period. So a lot of that doesn't jive with me. I mean, you can't really replace the satellite camp experience, but, but if they really do want like, you know, proven stats and things that they can look at, well, they're already looking at the results from Rivals mm-hmm. Camp and the results from the opening. Like, so, so you know, add whatever other other camps you want to that, and that's fine. But you're still going. There's 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 a small segment of this recruiting wave that's going to be missed. And and one is like you said, they've got to find the under the radar guys or build relationships with kids early. And that means the kids that are either being under recruited at the moment for their class or the underclassmen where they can say, Hey, you know, you came to our camp last year. We want to invite you out to Lubbock for a game this season, blah, blah, blah. And then build the relationship yeah. from there. Those are two key components that you name the school. It's not just Texas Tech. It's going to affect them in some form or fashion. I know you mentioned the A&Ms of the world, the Texas of the world. Well, they didn't have satellite camps because they didn't really they ever have now. to. So, so I don't think, you know, you don't really look at those guys. They're, they're not affected by this. No, 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 they aren't. They aren't. Um, you know who wins, though? You know who wins big are the TCUs, SMUs, and Houston's yeah, of the world. because you, you just say, hey, man, take the 10-minute drive and come hang out all weekend. And that's – Absolutely. That's, and that's that's what it is. And, and it, yeah, that's and that's the most frustrating thing, like you said, is, is all these kids now can just take, you know, a, a you know a 30-under-minute 30, you know, 30 under minute drive, go out for the weekend and camp, and then after that, you know – a lot of these things are probably going to say, "Hey, while y'all are here, just come look at all facilities, and we'll kind of give you the whole, you know, the whole shebang on the thing." So, uh, so yeah, that's that's my biggest uh, frustration with it, anyway. Yeah, and I mean the other big component to that is, hey, um, Tech starts winning on the field, and that drive to Lubbock seems less of a big deal to some kids. It right? does. No, it 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 does for sure. Um, uh, undoubtedly, and you know, really, just for the the overall picture for me is here in the last you know two three years especially, I think it had gotten it had kind of become where a lot of these kids that normally go unnoticed or had you know for the last you know for the history of college football all these you know kids that you know just kind of come out of nowhere, your West Welkers of the world you know for example, those guys didn't exist as much anymore because of all these camps and satellite camps and. And all these kind of things kind of eliminated that, and you kind of found everybody. Well, this process is going to send things in reverse where you go back, you know, five-plus years ago where all these kids end up in, you know, FCS or end up at small schools or end up at other places, and you wonder how they end up there. Well, it's because, just to be honest, these coaches don't just don't have the resources to find all these kids anymore, you know? Yeah, I mean it, it's going to change the game. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens. I mean, we could we could probably rip on this topic for a while, but oh, I, I think uh, keep going. I think it's a terrible decision from the uh, NCAA. I think that there are entirely too many kids from if, if the NCAA will allow a school like Alabama to hire a quote unquote recruiting analyst or no, not recruiting analyst. That's bad. Uh, a a recruiting you know assistant that lives in Dallas to simply visit. No, literally that's, that's allowed by the NCAA and Alabama has a person that lives in Dallas 
and covers the state of Texas and provides them with pretty much information on on who their target should be throughout the Metroplex helps coordinate recruiting efforts. I mean, (laughs) if that's okay, if that's okay, then why is a satellite camp not okay? If they can afford to do that, then why is it not okay to hold a camp and let kids that can get noticed from multiple camps or I'm sorry, universities at once, you know, get noticed and, and earn their, their spot. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a big, big, big pond out there. And I just think that they're making a mistake. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, it's just more of what we've talked about where, you, you know, I think satellite camps and really what's gone on in the last couple of years in the NCAA has helped narrow the gap between the haves and have nots. Well, the NCAA just decided to rewiden that gap again because, let's be honest, if LSU or Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan or USC really, really wants you to come camp with them and you feel like you've got a good shot to get an offer, you're probably going to take that trip, you know? So so I just think that's what it really hurts. It hurts everybody that's not a blue blood is what it, who it hurts the most. Well, and, and I don't want to be a hater, but look at a kid like uh, like Herb Sparks, for example. He's going to go visit UT this weekend yep. instead of instead of coming to Tech. And and I don't, I'm not making a comparison or anything, but I'm just saying out loud, what are the what's the likelihood of UT offering Herb Sparks? Not very. I likely. mean, it's yeah. not very likely, but he is sure as hell going to drive down there. So I mean, again. I hope I hope I'm proven wrong. I think Herb's a great kid, and and I think he's a great player. I hope I'm proven wrong, but there that ha- that's just an example and a reality where kids are out there making these visits, and you call it going through the experience, you call it having fun. That's fine, but at some point in time, it has to from be a both business decision though, at some point for you as a kid. Well, and and that's the sad reality now is that instead of being able to go and have fun and knowing that these other schools are coming for camps or coming to see you, you know, this, that and the other, you don't know. And so you could easily after four camps, you could spend two hundred dollars and not be seen by a college coach. You could go through the entire spring. And if you're not at the right program or let's say you don't develop at the right time, you You could end up at a thing. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I say it's a big pond. So anyway, like I said, we we could talk on that for a while, but I know we kind of need to move on to some of the questions uh, we were going to chat about from the recruiting chat. But again, just satellite camps, that's that's I I don't want to be dramatic or anything, but that is going to have a distinct effect on the Texas Tech recruiting efforts. I mean, you're talking about think think two years ago. A, you didn't have to worry about a, a Houston or an SMU who are pulling legitimate recruits now. Uh, but now, let's say for Dakota Allen or for a Devonta Hinton, Devonta I mean, is that prime example of this. That's going to be a huge battle moving forward, and I just think that those little ones like that—that's really what's going to kind of chip away at some of the opportunities. But if the coaches go all in. You know, with the the DFW area and continue to find kids out in West Texas that can contribute, I think they'll be okay. Combine that with winning on the yeah. field, and a lot of this takes care of itself. And final thing I'll say too is, I really get the hunch that Oklahoma is going to be a huge factor for you, Texas Tech, as far as your kind of under the radar kids moving forward. Uh, because you look at you know Southmore, where Tech has essentially planned a flag and said, "Yep, we're going to try to own this program." Because they're, they've been out there a ton, uh, and not just you know Coach Spab. I know Coach Kingsbury's been out there quite a bit. So uh, 
I just I wonder how much that's going to become a factor because, to be honest, a lot of those kids in Oklahoma, it's you know about the same trip or a shorter trip for them to go to Lubbock, uh, you know, as it is for a lot of DFW kids. So so that that's an interesting thing to me as far as how Oklahoma is going to play into this moving forward for Tech. I agree. So, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll just kind of finish it there. And uh, like like Matt said, he and I could riff on this for another hour or two hours and really dive into it. But we won't uh, we won't do that. And like I said, we'll move on to some recruiting questions that were from uh, this week's recruiting chat earlier in the week. And uh, the first one that we'll get into, Matt, is uh, from T Stockton, who says, "If you were able to pick any prospect Tech has a realistic shot with, who would it be?" Hmm. Uh, just any prospect in general? Any I mean, prospect I get you to... think that Tech has any, I would say, minuscule chance with, and you could just pick them? Oh, like, so my personal preference, but somebody that's still, I guess, out there somebody and on the board? There, somebody that's on the board, and, you know, there is still some kind of sliver of hope you could land on, but you could you could wrap it up right now if you wanted to. Huh. Okay. I would... Oh, gosh... It's a good question. It's hard. You know, it is good. It is good. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, if we're if we're talking about kids that have offers, um, I know that uh, defense would be the first preference. I know Terrell Bernard out of Laporte has an offer, and you know, I'm impressed with what he does on the field. Um, but I know that things have been kind of looking. Uh, looking in another direction for him for the time being, you know, we'll follow up with him, see if he's going to visit. But yeah, if I, I guess if I had my pick, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd put him on the board, uh, in terms of linebackers. Uh, I guess on the offensive side of the ball, we've talked so much about the offensive line lately. Uh, but, but, you know, looking at running back, um, there's, there's a couple, there's still a couple guys out there, but, I guess I know people are going to hate it, but at wide receiver, I mean, if you could, uh, if you could, if you could fill out your class with some of these other guys that are going to kind of blow up and do their thing, I mean, but if you could still somehow get in there with a Tyrell Shavers or a, another that's bigger my, kid, that's my pick. <laughs> that's <laughs> yours. Shavers, I mean, yeah. you know, if if you had your choice, right? And and like I've always said, and I'll continue to say every week, I'm a big Cartrell Thomas fan. So I guess we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And like I said, my pick would be Tyrell Shavers because, again, I think for this Tech offense to move in the direction that you want it to and that Coach Kingsbury wants it to, you need to keep getting more and more of these big, long, rangy outside receivers. And the next guy on that list for me is Shavers, who's a dual sport guy, who's a you know a baseball football right. He's baseball and football, correct? Correct. Right, and so he would be the guy I pick. Uh, I just think that's more of what you're looking for as far as as far as receiver goes. Um, I guess there's I don't know that there's necessarily a defensive guy right now that they've offered that they would pick that I would say they have a realistic chance with. Other than Bernard, I, I would guess would be the only one. But uh, I guess uh, I guess that I'll just kind of stick to that. I'll, I'll do another offensive one and say Grayson Reed would be another kid that I think. And I know we talk about the offensive line a ton, but if you could have an offensive line class of, of well, he committed to A and M, you know that, right? Right. No, I, I know that. I'm just saying, oh, okay. Like we're just pretending. We're just pretend. If if I could Got pretend, it. that could and that would be way way out there. I just think that if you you know if you had a class of 
Jack Anderson, Dawson Deaton, and Grayson, and Grayson Reed, you would be like, all right, we got another, you know, 20, yeah. 2015 class, you know, on the offensive line, if not better. So, uh, well, if we're pretending, you know, they, they offered, uh, uh, <laughs> Wilson. no, yeah. Well, I was going to say Baron Browning, but yeah, same jokes oh, along dude. the same line. Yeah. Uh, if you could pick any kid, like I said last week, it would be Baron Browning because my man is a freak as they say. So, um, moving on to the next question from uh, J-E-M-M-E-T-T-C. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, my man. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Geometric, I guess is what you'd say. But uh, You just did. You said you weren't going to do it. And you tried. I know. I did it anyway. I've got to have it. That. Uh, so he asks, uh, how much of an impact is a new running back coach having on the coaching staff? Is he leading our staff to potential recruits on the West Coast as opposed to this part of the country? So he's talking about new running backs coach Deshaun Foster and – uh, just kind of where things are at with him. And based off kind of what you and I have seen, Matt, he's kind of offered, or not necessarily offered, but looked at a lot of kids, uh, not even necessarily just on the West Coast, but kind of some kids out of state in general. So it's it's been interesting to see, uh, you know, t- and, you know, he, I know he committed to Michigan, but you kind of jumped on a kid like Amari Samuels, who's a running back out of New Mexico for a little bit. Uh, got a, a lot of time. A lot of time. Right. A lot of time left. Uh like we said, the new offensive line offer Jackson, who's from Oregon. Uh, and then there's a kid visiting this weekend who is uh, Tyree Range, who's a Riverside running back, who, you know, obviously got some ties to Riverside still. But, but those, are, those are just kind of three kind of guys. That it's, it's interesting so far to see who he jumps in on and the connections he had already built up from being at UCLA. Uh, yeah, you know, be, you know, like you said, being at UCLA is already on the West Coast. I mean, you see it already in two prospects. Uh, Jackson Kirkland from Portland, Oregon, came all the way down to West Texas because of a conversation he struck up with Coach Foster, and then he met Coach Morris and Coach Hayes, and you saw how that unfolded. Uh, you also had Drew had talked about some of these uh, receivers oh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. California that – Coach Foster had helped uh, Emmett Jones introduce himself to. So, you know, it'd just be pretty interesting to see what other names pop up. I know that, like I mentioned earlier, and you mentioned him as well, the the Riverside Community College running back Tyree Range, uh, he's going to be coming in at six foot one, two thirty. So, you know, maybe get your own version of uh, what's the big old kid at uh, Oklahoma? Oh, Piron. Yeah, I mean, you know, get you get you a banger back there. Um, again, I don't know much about his story. We've got to learn about that. But ever I since will. I started following him, I know that uh, I know tonight he was, you know, tweeting about our old friend Coach Jaluk. Great talk to you. Great to talk to you, Coach Jaluk. Excited for what the future brings. You know, for whatever that means. Right. So this kid uh, might end up being elite. I will ju- I will say this that um, I, I I talked to Tyree a little bit, uh, and when I found out he was going to visit and. That's a relationship that he built up with Coach Foster when he got out of high school a couple of years ago, uh, and he's a kid from California, I believe. So, so he and Coach Foster have a pretty, um, a pretty established relationship already. So, so there's a, a pretty big backstory, and I think LSU is pretty serious about him. So we'll kind of see where things go with that. But, uh, but, but yeah, I just, I just think that, uh, I, I just think that he's a guy that once he kind of gets his feet under him. You know, here in the first couple months, I think you wonder if he could be a guy like Coach Chev was, where he kind of introduces you to a lot of prospects in his NFL background, you know, really kind of helps you out in a similar way. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that's, but 
you know, that's the answer to the question. That's how he impacts recruiting right, is he yeah. just, I mean, your running back coach needs to get his guy, needs to be an ace recruiter. And you saw, I mean, you've seen over the years, this is what coaches do. They, they tag, uh, they tag team with guys and they'll probably, once uh, coaches can make those visits, they'll, they'll have him on the road either in Houston or, or Dallas, if not both here over the next few weeks. Right, right. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, and, and the final question we'll do is from Whitb14, which is, do you think a lot of prospects are waiting to watch how Tech plays this season, or do you think that isn't much of a factor? Um, I mean, for say it, say, for me, go ahead. You you go first. I'm sorry. I, th- I think for me, uh, more so than an individual season. Players just want to kind of know the general tra- trajectory of a program. And, you know, one individual year doesn't make or break that as far as what a, I think what a kid's perception is of a program because every program has good years and every program has bad years. Instead, I think kids are much more interested in the culture and the feel around the program and just the overall trajectory. Now, that being said, you know, as a program tech, you went 8-5, and 4-8, uh, and eight, seven and six so you've kind of up down a little bit up and i don't know that a lot of kids are waiting to see how this year plays out but i do think maybe unlike last year i think this year you know having an an eight four nine and three season and you know defensively showing a lot of improvement i think that could do a lot for you i think it's more so about what kids see with their eyes not necessarily in the record but all in the all in all the other intangibles of everything else with the program I agree. Because kids aren't stupid. I mean, they get it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It's just one of those things where we'll just have to to watch it play out. I can't, I mean, I can't say which, you know, one way or the other right now. Yeah, but but do you think the individual seasons do a lot for kids and what they think of a program or not? Not, I mean, I think it's so hard to answer, Will, because every kid is, every kid is different. Like, you've got... Your kids with ties to the program, you've got your kids like a Connor Dyer who really don't buy into hype or care about any of that stuff. You've got the Fajokos and the Andersons that have strong ties to the program. You have uh, the kids that visit and, and really dig it in Lubbock. And then you've got the kids that they may not have a lot of other offers and text right. the offer that really speaks to them. I mean, there's a lot of different versions so of that. But, but yes, I mean – it it means a lot now i mean we especially ever since you know just dis- discussing everything on this podcast tonight we talked about satellite camps going away we talked about teams like smu and houston recruiting better and better tcu recruiting better baylor recruiting better oklahoma state uh with a quick start to the class oklahoma with an incredible start to the class and then every other college under the sun that recruits texas and you better roll your sleeves up and get to work. I mean, this is what is so important about recruiting, and this is why it's so interesting for a lot of us to follow. I mean, that's the bottom no, line. Yeah, I agree. And an interesting thing that you kind of pointed out, and it made me think of too, is is as far as like individual seasons and momentum of a program, let's look at a kid like Jalen Jackson who commits to Colorado, you know, a week or so, a week or two ago, whatever it was, who. You know, as Tech and a couple other programs thought, you know, you kind of thought you were in the mix for it with him. And Colorado was kind of an afterthought, I think a lot of people. A lot of people probably would have said that don't, just kind of follow it generally. 
but you know, long story short, he goes up there and visits. You know, his parents go up there and visits. You know, they love it. They love what's going on, and he pulls the trigger. So you, you see that kind of thing too. And I just think a lot of these kids, once they get a look inside the program and get kind of a feel for it on a visit, is where you kind of get the feeling of what those kids want. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I guess we'll just we'll just have to see how it plays out. But but it is it is something where I don't think you can necessarily say for sure or not for sure because like you said every kid is different and I think now that's a, I think that was you know the best point you made on it was some kids are wired to where their results driven as far as they want to see the on the field results and exactly what it is some kids are about the hype train you know which is a lot of what you know Houston and SMU and you know even I would say Baylor to an extent have have all you know capitalized on over the last couple of years TCU too. Um, and then there are kids that, you know, don't kind of see through all that and they just want to see the bones of the program and what's kind of going on, you know, behind closed doors. So there are just so many different categories of kids that I don't know if you can effectively answer the question. So basically I answered the question and then backtracked. <laughs> That's okay. Um, no, it is, but it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard to answer. And I, we get the question a lot and, and it's just not one that's easy to answer. No, I, I hear you, man. Um, yeah, I, I don't. It's hard. It's hard for me to say, especially new coaches and all that. I mean, I, you have. I mean, but I know this: you can't have a bad year. I mean, I do no, know that you much. Have, you can't do that, I right? You, you can't. I mean, look at the league you play in. I mean, they have to go out there. They have to beat some good teams. I think everybody realistically knows what is ahead of this team. Patrick Mahomes gives you a leg up. You know, we've talked about offense. Kids are going to want to play in this offense. But what do you do with this new depth on defense? What do you do with some of these? incoming freshmen and then how do the coaches use that on the recruiting trail i just think there's so much that we don't know because the offers aren't there and we're not able to talk to these kids yeah you know you you had the reaction from the kids that visited over the weekend well you know if we say well hey will uh i know how was the visit you had a good things to say about the tour and uh your time that you spent with coach patrick uh did you guys talk about an offer well no not really, not really. sir yeah I can't report anything besides that. And if I dig spot, deeper yeah. <laughs> and he says they really didn't talk about it much, then I don't know what to tell you. So, I mean, I think, you know, once that happens, you're going to learn a lot more about what this class is going to look like and who they're really going after. And then we haven't even talked about JUCOs. I mean, what happens with JUCOs? I mean, you're starting to see right. some more and more names pop up uh, in our database from the JUCO ranks. So we'll we'll see. No, we will certainly see, and we will leave it in that because guess what, Matt? Our weekly tradition continues. We have gone <laughs> over an hour. Yeah, I knew we were going to because we, we started talking on satellite camps, and then we tried to wrap it up twice, and I looked down, and then we was already at like 50 minutes. So I was like, nice. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, anyway, that's all for this week unless you've got anything else you want to riff on. Or anything you would like to, you know, say before we cut this bad boy off? Uh, no, I wish I was going to be at the spring game, but other than that, I'll be watching, and uh, we'll have a uh, we'll have a live chat going on, so uh, should be a lot of fun for those, you know, not in attendance and, and watching from home as well. Absolutely. Hope the weather cooperates this weekend, both for the spring game and for baseball. Should be a lot of fun this weekend. Once again, you just listened to the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Thanks so much for listening, and hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. See ya.